Annunzio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. I bring you tidings of great joy. Abemus Papam. We have a Pope. Eminentissimum ac reverendissimum Dominum, Dominum Carolum, Sancte Romane Ecclesiae, Cardinalem Voetiva. Cardinal Voetida. Cardinal Voetida of Poland. Yes, I knew him. <laughs> We meet sometimes with him, but not often. He invited us once a year to his house to sing for him on, or for his guests. Or um, he invites uh, us to special mass for singing. For, for Catholic people, he was an important person, <coughs> like a father, I think, <laughs> and for us too. I'm sure that Cardinal Wojtyla, now John Paul II, it is a very good man on, as a pope. It will be very good because he was a very good as a cardinal in Krakow. I must say, Cardinal Wojtyla, now and um, Cardinal Wyszyński. It was two men who could help in development of Catholic Church in, in, in Poland. They knew how to do to get that union of government and uh, Catholic Church through. And it was very important how it will be now, I don't know, of course, but all Polish people, and especially Krakows, Krakowian, um, are sure that it's a great pity for Krakow, for Poland, um, Cardinal Wojtyla became Pope. Yes, I knew the Pope, and I was, uh, I had the honor and the the joy and pleasure and uh, I don't know how you say it uh, of knowing him and even working for him uh, and uh, well I am the president of the chairman of a Catholic club the club is a name which is rather misleading because it isn't a club it's a small Catholic association lay association and uh, in this capacity I often had to go and see him and talk with him. He would always, uh, uh, well, give his help and protection and advice anytime we needed it. And he was extremely, and a man extremely easy to approach. You could go to see him. Everybody could go to see him every weekday except Saturday from 11 to 1. He, his, uh, he was in his office or and anybody could go and see him with any problem. 
all Poles were very happy uh, when the news of election of our uh, cardinal uh, came. It was such a, you know, people were mad from, from joy because nobody uh, hoped that it will be so. And it is very important for Poland being a nominally communist country, it gives pop to the world, to the church. Uh, and the beginning, at the beginning, even uh, officials, even government was enthusiastic to this news. And they helped us to go to Rome uh, for coronation. But now they are, c c you know, uh, they became uh, c c quiet and uh, they think about uh, suppressing this enthusiasm. Well, it must be a great embarrassment to the government here. It is embarrassment because uh, they are not on, no, not, uh, they depend on Moscow and they get instruc instructions and not to be too enthusiastic to this fact. The people of Krakow have mixed feelings about losing their cardinal. Good for the church, they say, bad for Poland. But the church is so strong there that it can probably afford to lose one of its champions. Many people in the West uh, know very little about Poland, about the Polish people, and about the Polish church uh, uh, here. Or most of the people will know the Polish church as the church of silent, as a suffering church. Mm as a church who is dying out. I personally think it's a li very lively church. It's uh, a loudly church. Um, it's a church who really stands and fights for the right, for the own right, for the right of the people of God, and for the right of everyone in the country. Christianity came to Poland nearly 1,000 years after the time of Christ. But in Krakow, the cultural and academic center of Poland, there are many links with the Christian past. The main church of the city, built in the 14th century, like most Catholic churches in Poland, built of bricks. So this one belonged to merchants, handcraftsmen, and only such monuments, cenotaphs, one can see here. No kings. The, king the guides ply their trade in the principal churches, and as if to show the ambivalence of church-state relations, among the audience are a full company of soldiers in Polish uniform. Yeah, this church has the oldest stained glass in Krakow, 600 years old, but unfortunately it's too dark now. But the main treasure of the church is the high altar. You will see it illuminated. It was made of lime wood, especially for this church 500 years ago. As the work started in 1477, and in 12 years, the altar was carved. The altar is about 40 feet... Church and state are the two great institutions. They are, to perpetrate a bad pun, poles apart. Yet, in a curious way, they are complementary. It's called a union. It does mean uh, church, it's great power in, in Poland, you must know, especially Catholic church. More than 90% uh, of Poland, Polish people are Catholic. And uh, government must remember about it.
but there are problems, special uh, problems of whole country. Mm, church can't talk about it. Uh, can't <coughs> interrupt in any works of government. So there are parts of church matters and government matters. And several of that matter are government and church, governments and church. Uh, one of the principles of the materialistic Marxist state is mm, that this uh, that this drug for the people that religion is should disappear. So mm, uh, there has always been an official tendency of. Um, uh, of uh, suppressing religious instruction. I don't remember in what year after the war, but very soon after the war, religion was uh, suppressed in schools and was being taught only in churches. After October 1956, for a period of a one year, I think it was, or two years, religion was uh, taught in uh, schools. Uh, but uh, there was an old decree dating back to 1920 uh, that said that um, uh, religious instruction in school can be carried only by lay priests. At that time, because of the war losses in, among Polish priests, which were tremendous, uh, there was an acute shortage of priests, and there is always an acute shortage of priests because the demands are increasing. But at that time, it was more acute than, uh, than it is now. And uh, the church couldn't provide a sufficient number of lay priests for teaching school, uh, to teaching religion at schools. And the authorities wouldn't allow um, regular orders or nuns to teach at schools. After two years, Religion uh, was again expelled from schools, and it is now being taught in churches, in church premises, on church premises. Uh, the church started. Uh, the church started um, uh, to arrange religious classes in private homes and private houses, but again the authorities. Uh, began to harass the people who um, offered the, uh, the premises for, uh, for the religious classes. Uh, there was again a tendency by the state in the um, 60s and early 70s um, to uh, pay the teachers of religion. So they, the, cha the state wanted to take over the, mm, uh, on its own expenses, the teaching of religion, obviously to have control over the teachers. Uh, this was strongly opposed by the church, and uh, actually no religious uh, teacher, no teacher of religion, was allowed to uh, get his salary from, uh, from the state. And uh, if it had to be paid, because most of the instruction at that, that time was done by priests, and if laymen were doing it, they would be paid by uh, by the church. Uh, since 1970, mm, the church-state relations have improved, 
And uh, the situation with religion, apart from local difficulties, apart from uh, certain sudden changes, instead, uh, well, uh, in uh, well, when the, the relations deteriorated for a time, uh, then again the authorities would uh, begin to harass uh, the religious classes. But on the whole, it suffices for the local priest to say that I have a uh, religious class in that and that building to re register the place where religious instruction, religious instruction will be carried on. And on the whole, it suffices to have this registered mm, with the authorities. Uh, but uh, this problem always exists, and uh, it's always in the background. I think you have two different philosophies, and, uh, and they don't go together. And I think uh, uh, they will never go together. Uh, but they live together, and therefore, yes, they're trying to do their best. They have established uh, modus vivendi, in effect. Yeah, to help the people. Well, one of the reasons for the strength of the Polish church is uh, that the church has always been on the side of the people, on the right side uh, with the people. Uh, throughout the 19th century, when Poland was divided, partitioned among the great powers, neighboring powers, Russia, Prussia, and Austria, the church stood on the side of the people, defending the uh, national feelings, also for re religious ne uh, reasons, because on, uh, there was the Orthodox Russian Empire on one side. Mm, on the other side, there was the uh, Protestant Prussian Empire with its, uh, with its periods of very strong anti-religious, uh, anti-Catholic. Uh, actions, uh, the Kulturkampf, the famous Kulturkampf, and so on, in the 19th and beginning of the 20th century. Uh, and uh, this has always uh, placed the church with the people. Uh, there was even a sort of, um, a Paul is a Catholic, a Catholic is a Paul, you know, a sort of, so, a sort of I don't know, an equation, an equation made. Um, which, uh, which became, at a certain moment after the Second World War, even became a problem uh, with a new spirit coming into the church, the, um, all the reforms and the renovation uh, coming into the church after Vatican II. Uh, this has been uh, criticized among many uh, thinking Catholics. I think we have gone past through this stage. In the Polish government, surprisingly perhaps, there is a minister for religion. And the main function is, um, is to watch carefully what is going on in the churches. And definitely he is not the man who should help the church, but to watch carefully what is going on in the churches. It's a control function. It's a control function, yes. It seems a curious... Uh contradiction that you should have a minister of religion in an atheist state? Uh, as somebody said, uh, <laughs> I will only repeat, yes, uh, uh, he is the minister to destroy the church. <laughs> I was in the vestry of the monastery of Chistakova on the morning of a public holiday. 
Hundreds of priests were robing to say Mass, and thousands of Polish pilgrims were queuing on a damp, foggy, cold day to worship at the National Shrine of Jasnogóra. We arrived by coach. In a moment we'll stop, so there is no time to explain you the whole story about the shrine, but you will give the whole explanation by the priests in the monastery, the whole history, dates and so on. And our priest guide was indeed ready. Good morning, everybody. Did you sleep well? Yes, yes. So you want to visit Yasnagura, yes? And during this, you want to celebrate Holy Mass. Hearing what was said in the crowded monastery was difficult. This is the place where Our Lady of Yasnagura, of Częstochowa, Black Madonna, is being venerated here. And as you see, many, many people used to come here. Today is a weekday, Saturday, and uh, you see thousands of people uh, coming here and, uh, to venerate Our Lady. And it is almost every day, uh, all the year around, uh, like, like today. Almost every day. And uh, about two million people coming here every year. It is uh, something unusual and they come here in very difficult uh, circumstances and uh, they make great sacrifice uh, to, you know, to see Our Lady and to make um, homage to her. She is a mother to everybody and a queen of Poland and as a, as a mother and as a queen, uh, she is venerated here in Yasnagura. Do you hear me? No. no. <laughs> Problems of amplification drowned out much of the information of our guide. To get someone else to agree to be recorded involved negotiations. You want some questions to ask him? And some questions to ask him, yeah. You can, you can, uh, you can, you can take... Uh, what are you saying basically is this? He can tell you a few things about the, the place. Nie pan wytłumaczy. Rzecz w tym, ja nie mam problemu, że on rejestruje, prawda? Tylko rzecz taka, że gdyby to miało iść na eter, to trzeba... He's not worried about what you're going to ask him and you're going to record it. The one he thinks that his English is not good enough. But if it's good enough for you, it's good enough for him. So you have to decide yourself. Do you want to give him a few questions or something? You can phrase your questions. You know, the you like. That settled, we retired to a quieter room. The history of monastery Yasnagora goes back to last quarter of 14th century. It's founded in the 13. Uh, 82 by uh, by kings uh, John, uh, Louis Andrew uh, Regent Władysław from Opole, Silesia. Silesia. Uh, he took over a small group of Polish friars from Hungary and established them in the top of a hill, later named as Jasnagura, Bright Mountain, Bright Hill. No, it, is, it was of, um, uh, of political um, reason. The prince who passed through Chestakova was carrying an icon, a picture of the Virgin alleged to have been painted by St. Luke on the tabletop which St. Joseph had made for the Holy Family. The picture is still the centre of veneration in the monastery of Jasnagura, 
but science has long destroyed the myth. It is painted not on wood, but on canvas, and it doesn't date from the time of Christ, but is 7th or 8th century Byzantine. But that makes no difference to the Polish pilgrims. The Black Madonna is the queen of Poland. It's uh, in very difficult post-partition time, uh, when uh, Poland has uh, lost his, its uh, freedom, Jasna became a holy shrine in the eyes of people and uh, a very important place of nation's unity. Uh, some uh, two million visitors each year, every year, and million eighty thousand of communion last year, uh, 30,000 of masses. The dimension of his, uh, its activity now. And uh, for Polish people, it's very important the role to, no, I can't tell it's English, integration, yeah? Integration with the past time. Uh, the Polish people uh, are feeling here a connection with the pastimes, the religious tradition here is one great monument of of religious and nations, na national tradition now. There is an annual pilgrimage on foot from Warsaw to Czestochowa. It's a nine-day walk. There is, is uh, such a custom from uh, almost 250 years that every year from Warsaw uh, comes uh, pilgrimage to Jasnagura and uh, at the beginning it was such a little group and it in increases every year and uh, uh, last year it was uh, 22,000 coming uh, and uh, this year it was 30,000 people walking from Warsaw to Częstochowa and it was uh, such a, it was such a special circumstances this year because weather was very bad and the uh, first four days were all day and night it rained with the wind and everybody was quite wet but nobody uh, uh, stopped to walk and uh, they came and when I asked some of them uh, how do they feel they say they were very happy and they said that they were washed from their sins, and they are clean now, and they can come to Our Lady. Uh, so uh, this uh, about 80% of this great group, it was young. Uh, it were young people, uh, students, and uh, from different uh, our schools. And uh, some of them were from abroad as well from Italy, from uh, France, from Germany. Mm, and it was such a great manifestation of, of faith. I asked, what was the official government reaction to such a manifestation of faith? You know, our stage doesn't like this, and they tried to stop this pilgrimage, and uh, they made many troubles uh, and they sent their people to make troubles in, 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 uh, on the way in groups, uh, but it was 
the, the effect was uh, contrary, you know. It even increased, uh, you know, more difficulties, more people coming. Certainly on the day I was there, the people were coming. The queues lengthened, the guides worked faster, new priests occupied the altars as each mass ended. In one of the chapels, I came on a painting of St. Dymphna, Princess of Ireland. I asked about it. What they're saying, actually. What he is saying, basically, is that he doesn't really know the exact reason why this picture was painted here. He only knows that it was painted at the early stages of the 17th century by the Pauline fathers here. The only thing he discovered since was this original sketch from which he painted the final, uh, the final painting, as we have seen downstairs there. It's also been accompanied with a little uh, poem, which I, he found as well. The text of the poem was in Latin. The story is that uh, the king, the father of the uh, princess, wanted to rape the princess, and the local uh, monk is defending her. The order of the king is to slay the monk, and he, in fact, does, I think, succeed in, in, in the rape. That's the story that was accompanying the original sketch in Latin, from which the big painting was painted. The monastery of Jasnogora in Czestokola is an ancient symbol to the Polish people. Another church, a very beautiful modern one, may in the long run prove to be more important to Polish aspirations. The church is in Nova Huta, a newly built suburb of Krakow with a population of 200,000 people. The town of Nova Huta was built as a socialist town, as the first socialist model socialist town, and it was to be a godless town, a town without God. And uh, no provisions in the planning of the town were made for uh, having a church. Um, but after uh, certain, uh, after 1956, when the situation changed, uh, there was a plot that was allotted for building a church, well, more to the center of a new uh, area, of a new town. It isn't a, a separate town, and not an independent town, it's a section of Krakow. Nova Huta is a section of Krakow. Anyway, in this section there was a plot allotted for building the church, but never, uh, the permission was never given for building the church. There was only a cross built there, and this was supposed to be once, in, sometimes in the future, perhaps. But then, at certain moments, the authorities decided to build a, um, a school on that plot, and uh, workers came and took down, put down the cross. And then the result was rioting in the town, uh, violent rioting, and even, uh, I think, there was bloodshed too. Many arrests and so on. This was in the 50s. I can't remember the date. I think it must have been 1958 or something like that. Uh, the cross was put up again, and the agreement was uh, that uh, there would be a church built in the future again on some other spot, and the cross will remain on the initial 
on its initial place till the church is built. Uh, but everything stayed for years uh, in this impasse. No permission was given. Mean meanwhile, there was at this site here where the church stands now, there was a small monastery or a small convent of nuns. They had a piece of ground and a small building. And this was started as the parish center for Nova Huta. Uh, the altar was on the outside of the building, under roof, but open to the outside. And the people assembled in the open air to attend mass. Uh, they assembled, uh, uh, that was really impressive because they assembled in all weather, you know. We have hard winters, snow and frost and wind. And for instance, uh, for the midnight mass at Christmas, uh, the crowd would be uh, so thick that even though there was frost, uh, children would tend to faint in the crowd because of lack of air. And uh, uh, this went on for uh, till 1967 when uh, the permission was given to build the church and the moment the permission was given they started building the church, the people here started building the church. Uh, the permission came late in summer or early autumn uh, before winter uh, the excavations for the foundations uh, were made and then gradually during the past 10 years the church has been built and was blessed uh, ten years, uh, last year in May 1977. I spent most of one Sunday in the church of Nova Huta. Masses were said every hour from before dawn until late evening, and the crowds were such that the overflow around the doors was 20 or 30 deep. church uh, has been, I think, a tremendous factor for the people of Nova Huta. The people of Nova Huta are uh, mostly people who moved from rural areas to the new industry town. And uh, uh, usually when the, this process takes place, there is a breakdown of religion. Uh, the old uh, sociological relations, face-to-face -face contacts, which uh, well, uh, are one of the factors of mm, driving people to the church, uh, disappear in a big town, an anonymous town like that. Uh, the people don't know each other, and there is a tendency for a drop of, uh, there would be a tendency, natural tendency, for a drop of pra religious practices. This didn't happen in Nova Huta.
The parish priest of Nova Huta kindly invited me to lunch, and afterwards we talked through an interpreter. He told me how he was hoping to take a part in a sphere which up to now has been exclusively a state monopoly. Uh, next year we intend to buy the sec uh, build the second part of a church. The first part of a church of the building is ready. This is where the people assemble for prayer. And the second part will be uh, to serve the ill people. There will be a hospital, an open hospital, a hospice uh, for people who have cancer and other people terminally ill and uh, people who are lonely, who, who, have, who don't get care at home, so they will be cared for in this uh, hospice by the church. Uh, our intention is to um, fulfill the commandment of Christ, who says that you have to keep watch with me, and that's what we intend to do, to keep watch with those people who are terminally ill right to the end of their lives. Naturally, some hospital jako budynek nie wystarcza, potrzebni są ludzie do tego. Dlatego już w tej The building for the hospice isn't enough. You have to have people to uh, care for the um, patients. And so we have started this work already. There are already uh, about 30 persons here working with the parish. And we have uh, taken over the care for um, in one of the um, wards of a state-run hospital here in Nowa where there are cancer patients, uh, and the, these people uh, spend about, everybody spends, uh, each person spends two hours a week caring for the people, uh, well, doing everything that is necessary, washing them over sanitary services, uh, uh, doing the beds and things like that. And uh, they're doing it as a practice for the future uh, work at the hospice by the church. And actually, uh, Father Gorzelani is in a hurry because he has his uh, time today in the afternoon at the hospital. Religious and intellectual life seem everywhere strong and thriving. I spoke to some young university students, members of a local club for the Catholic intelligentsia. It's a club which wants to show Polish Catholic uh, culture. So there are special uh, lessons of history of Polish Catholic intelligence clubs, uh, of uh, Catholic intelligence culture. There are lessons of, for example, foreign languages too. What more? It is an artistic uh, movement for example, our car. It was ten years ago when uh, one of Krakow's teacher of music, Mr. Grzybek, wanted to sing old Polish carol songs. And it was first idea. It was beginning of our choir. And that carol songs we sing so far. Of course, more and more and uh, more difficult than 10 years ago.
If the church in Poland is making progress, so too is the state. I think there are great changes, good changes. I think the people feel more freer than in my time. At 60, 68, I think the salaries are better. Many, many private houses are going on, and this was almost impossible in my time. I think they did a lot to the capital in Warsaw during their 10 years to improve it. I think also in the shops you will find more uh, than before. It's true they have difficulties, but who doesn't have them? It's also true that they don't have the problem with unemployment. They don't have to fear for the tomorrow, that they will be out of job or something like that. All the people whom I met were very happy. Poland has lost one great cardinal, but it still has the powerful and indomitable Wyszynski of Warsaw. Old and ailing, he is as formidable as ever. He's old, but I wouldn't say too old. He's still strong, working very hard, and he looks tired. He was always looking tired. He was always looking serious. Are there churchmen coming up in Poland who can maintain the delicate church-state relationship? It's difficult to say now, but I hope that they are there. And I know when Archbishop Wojtyła became the Archbishop of Krakow, so people said, oh, there will be no man to replace Sapieha. So when Cardinal Chlond died, they said, who will take now on? And we can see that Wyszynski is doing as good as Chlond, maybe even better than Chlond. So you have hope for the future? Oh, yes.